Welcome, welcome. Uh, I don't even, do we, do we know what episode number this is? I would love to say four. Of the new season, season two. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a running total, are we into 20 yet? We're getting close? Close to. Or- teens? High yeah. teens? It's exciting. Welcome to Fitness and Relations. Today we'll be, uh, should I say the uh, broad discussion will be on aging females? Yes. Do you want to clarify that a little bit more, maybe? Like what we were hoping to dig into? Um, similarly, kind of just continuing the conversation we had with aging males last week. Um, what females in this age bracket of, you know, the 50s and older, or those who have gone through menopause, um, what they can expect how does that relate into purpose and meaning within fitness? Um, and also, I think we just kind of talked about briefly before we hopped online, but I think a big conversation that isn't being happening or isn't being talked about amongst coaches is um, who are these women that are in this age bracket right now? Um, generationally, what have they gone through? Um, who are they getting their information from? Uh, and what biases do they already have? You know, I think... We apply what we know to our own generations, but we're not taking a really good look at who these individuals are um, and what's gotten them to where they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as we mentioned offline, which I'll say out again to reiterate your point there, we just think it's an important conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe on that starting point, I love the idea around, you know, cause I've said it so many times before, but when you say it slowly and you hear someone else say it purpose and meaning and fitness, that really gets me up in the morning. You know, I get excited about that. So when you mention that I'm definitely into this, whatever this project is, this conversation today and whatever future things we discuss uh, for that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm biased, but I just think there's so many good things inside of uh, fitness and what we call fitness, physical expression and challenging oneself and finding some truths. There's so many great things inside of it that we don't want to despair and lose sight of, uh, all the good things. So I'm glad you mentioned that for, you know, stuff we can continue to try to find for people. Um, even though 90% of our conversation could be about like, oh shit, this went wrong and therapeutics and et cetera. Uh, you know, try to pull out all the good stuff. Um, it's interesting that this wasn't set up this way, but uh, Chloe and I, when were, where were we going? I think I was, where was it? Oh, it was evening. So I was dropping her off, I think at soccer practice maybe. And uh, just, it seemed to be littered in our community, a number of just in this one particular night, but a lot of times it happens. This one man was standing on this really nice lookout that we have as we exit our community. And you can see the entire valley. We're over on a mountainside. Um, overlooking the valley and he was just standing there you know um, and Chloe said dad that's that's probably what you're going to be doing you know when you're older you know um, and there's so much inside of that that I could probably just open up on a whole episode by itself um, you know the contemplative stuff and the individuality and the freedom and the and the you know just just so much but but then you know we we saw this occur, you know, another older gentleman walking down the street. He was probably 65, 70, um, et cetera. So this happens a couple of times. And anyways, you know, with Chloe's question and what we want to discuss today, um, uh, she, she, I asked her, what do you think, like, what do you think is on these people's minds and what are they up to at this time? You know? Um, and, uh, she was like, well, probably like what she just observed with that gentleman, right? Probably just, you know, loving having free time and um, being able to contemplate and kind of look around, observe nature, you know, that, that was her answer to it. So that, that's a, that story, personal story is kind of a, kind of a, you know, edge into our point of something that I wanted to discuss today for, you know, what to do what to do after that big bulk of your peaking period in life is done. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if you, do you, do you have, do you observe uh, people at that stage in their life right now uh, in female specifically uh, around your facility or where you live or, and do you have any uh, 
just uh, conversations or stories on what you see there, what you see happening? Yeah, um, I do have a, quite a few clients that are in that age bracket. Okay. Um, and also I'm very, very close to my mom. So just, you know, that okay. is my, my How old aunt. is your mom, if you don't mind me asking? Not that old yet, but she's, uh, she's 57 okay. and she has an older sister that's 59 Okay. And also very close with. And so, um, you know, it just, but it's this bracket today. Yeah. That's oh, about today. And that's why I think this topic hits so close to home. You know, just when we start talking about therapeutics or, um, the advice that we get from our medical practitioners and things like that, as we get older and, um, why I love, I feel and empathize with this generation so much is just, we're coming up with a better understanding of our bodies or, you know, there's more conversation about what's going on with our menstrual cycles, how to approach perimenopause. And I think that generation didn't get that support at all. They were very much left to figure out all these things alone and by themselves. And it wasn't something you talked about. Um, and now a lot of them are dealing with those ramifications as they do get into their 50s and 60s and are starting to experience some of the symptoms we know that can happen to women um, post-menopause with their health. And you know, had a decade that no one helped them or they had no one to talk to. So or they weren't I, allowed to. They weren't allowed to. Or so was poo-pooed or not accepted socially, you know, um, yeah, and not, not putting the blame on society there. But, you know, even their parents, uh, you know, uh, thought that it was, you know, let's, you know, in a reduced language, it's kind of dirty, you know, to have menses or to uh, to be in that position as just a similar, you know, simple example so you can imagine if you had parents that thought that and what they're going to teach you about it, it's going to create, uh, I think what I'm, what I would call like a, like an overrun modesty. Like, you know, you're supposed to be modest, but, but it, there was like a darker side of that modesty that um, resulted in, you know, sexual freedoms and sexual liberties, right. Which is okay. But, and we, and the conversation for another time, how that went too far. But um, I think, uh, yeah. Do you feel that was the, for that generation, that was the generalized consensus yeah and that's why i think from consultation and the clients i have that are in that age bracket um just having built the trust to ask them and talk about it mm. because you'd be surprised at how many times like they will open up and they'll share their stories because no one's ever asked yeah. or they never had the opportunity to talk about these things and um, a lot of them are very naive because they just don't know their own bodies right yeah. um, so i guess maybe to preface today why don't we start with like what happens after menopause or what can we expect um to shift and change with bodily function and just overall health yeah yeah again this ties into our point we were saying offline there of um you know the the experience that we have in the 21st century for you know this storyline that hasn't been written or these books that haven't been written you know uh you know annals and annals of books and libraries on um on let's call it, I call it the feminine radiance. Um, and I call it that not just on the back end of disagreeing with a lot of the feminine mystique, you know, um, concepts, but um, because I felt it, I felt it amongst my clients and those females that I did work with um, that, uh, geez, over time, you just start to recognize that there's these like there's these things that we're trying to find answers to, to live the, the best life possible for 55 to 85 years of age as a female. Yet we, we don't want to have the discussion on, you know, these biological, uh, I'm not going to call them limitations, but because I just said it like, you know, so let's just, you know, just, just look at humans and homo sapiens and say, oh, for, for one half of the population, um, at a point in time, you know, when they're 55 or 60 and, you know, we don't want to demarcate that, but at this point in time there, like their chances of reproducing, which was one of the, one of the two, uh, main things that kept the entire race going for 250,000 years. Okay. Um, it's just, it's just not going to work anymore. You know, so on a biological level to answer your question indirectly, you know, we, uh, this, this viable, expensive, very important component of making and distributing the opportunity to have an egg, right? That could actually create other humans, right? Regardless of what we think about that is not possible anymore. Now, it's not only not possible, it almost happens, I'm being 
course, uh, performative on this language, but overnight. Like it is like a very quick transition into now it's not this highest upstanding of the the ultimate, right? In female physical capability, but it's a very quick drop. Okay. Now I would say it's a very quick drop because obviously relative to males, <laughs> the other sex, uh, it's a it's extremely quick drop. So now you have not only this happening, where you have one of your let's just call it major components of your libido, uh, metabolism, uh, ability to maintain good structural integrity and function. Uh, another another dark area I didn't plan on getting into, but the changes in that and cognitive function and what happens with emotions and cognition with that change, you know, and how, you know, I, I sort of said I wasn't going to go on a tangent on it and I won't, but something for you to think about what happens if that's just a biological thing that's going to happen yet society and culture has never been accepting of this particular thing, you know? So I just want you to pause and think about that for a second. Like what, what's the setup for it or more medicines? Oh, interesting. Oh, that's our answer to it. Um, so yeah, that happens. Um, and you know, I guess we could, yeah, I I'll do it. I'll air into it. Um, I just think, because of those, let's call it natural biological things that have happened to the general female, they're kind of left out on the curb to kind of figure stuff out for themselves. And I don't think there's been enough collective uh, attention or or practice beyond what the female energy has created themselves in support for that. Right, creating institutions, creating friendships, creating societal organizations, you know, writing books, uh, you know, just doing stuff that's really heavy on the back end of the of the retort for that. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just stop there in terms of this, you know, what we what you and I would call resist. It's called the resist phase, right? You're past your peak, but what I'm trying to highlight here is this really significant drop in our vitality things. Um, or the feminine vitality things, and then the inability to reproduce. Uh, so we're left with that. Anything you want to add to it physiologically or biologically? I may have missed that could, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just want to, you know, you know, kind of flush out that picture again, if that person walks into your facility. Um, again, we're talking a lot about how to slow down or how to make perimenopause um, a better experience for women. But in the reality, once we go through that again, these are what you are left with, right? Libido has dropped down. Um, so on that end, just think about body and elasticity. We're probably going to have a lot more dryness down there, discomfort, a lot of things like that. Um, so we have that. We also have a loss of bone mass that will probably start to happen, just depending on where you're coming into this. So we've got that going on. Um, sleep may be disrupted at this point too, depending on what's going on in your health, cognitive function may be slightly decreasing. Um, you know, I always think of the example where you yell at our parents because they forget things like, how could you forget that? Um, and how embarrassing that must be if they really are beginning to forget things uh, and how we don't normalize that, but we shame that. Um, yeah. And it's a DHEA thing. Well, yes, it's right. Not, but I want to make that point that people think it's like, oh, it's, it's an age Alzheimer's connection. It's not whatsoever. It's a hormonal change. Or for, last what I really want us to touch on is hormones dropping at this point. We're no longer producing our sex hormones. So estrogen, progesterone, we start thinking about thyroid function, things like that, because they're all slowing down or stopping. So if this person comes in your door and you're frustrated because they don't understand your app, right? Like uh, I think at this, we're telling this 55 year old generation, just catch up, figure it out, figure out the app, get it like, right. We're getting frustrated that they can't, quickly adapt to all the things that are happening where this person is in their life. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you set that up for uh, making people think about the ramifications of these individuals that I spoke about and with the things that are really going to happen in reality and then them stepping into fitness. I think that's a really important point. Um if I could add something too, so it, it'd be like layman's terminology of what's happening inside of the system. Um, you basically have, you know, one area, you know, that, so, so the entire, let's just call it the female system 
at 55 years of age, and I'll just say use like use 55 as being a postmenopausal situation. So what you're going to have in in both males and females, but for females specifically, an energy system that's going to be based upon like stress compensation, fight or flight. You know, we call those the adrenals as as one organ we can focus on. Um, and then you have a metabolic uh, system, energy system, um, which is generally the thyroid and a bunch of other things. Um, and then you have sex hormones as the mediator in this triad, this triumph, you know, uh, triad um, agreement between all these areas. And the only reason why I, I preface that in layman's terms is that we we can't, you know, like you and I can't fall prey to what we did like last week of just saying, well, it's, you know, it's just estrogen. And so that's going to be, no, I'm not saying that. I know you're not either, but it's just really important to recognize that in all these systems, it makes, sure, it makes it complex, but you have to recognize that you don't go after this entire fix or issue with just saying, oh, so what I'm hearing you say is people just need more progesterone or people just need an estrogen, you know, uh, forms of medication for the rest of life. I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I am saying is though, you need to, get someone who's qualified and OPEX fitness coaches can do this in layman's terms. We can focus on the adrenals. We can focus on the thyroid and we can focus on the gonads and sex hormones. Now in, in our language, we actually don't say that based upon what our scope of practice and what we do, we manage stress. We work on, you know, OPEX is mainly anti-metabolics, right? So we're we're basically going to help you balance out your metabolic function more effectively. And we do that through resistance training and easy aerobic work. I could go on and on, but that's how we balance that. And in regards to sex hormones, we talk a lot about lifestyle because we know that's the underpinning of all those things. We can't can't take away childhood trauma. We can't focus on, you know, the, the complexities inside of Wagovi and testosterone, cypionate, you know, injections you know, twice weekly, we can't jam on that, but we can, you know, point the finger at water, having a good crap, you know, all these things that generally bubble up to help those sex hormones. So uh, that, that, that was a layman's way of making everyone understand it's not only an isolated area for these postmenopausal females, you have to think about stress, you have to think about energy, you know, by let's call it metabolism for today. And you have to think about the sex hormones, right? And that it was included in that is sexual reproduction. So just what, just think about that on the back end, you know, now your sex hormone production or reproduction purposes are gone away. I'm not sure if, if, uh, you could give, uh, some particular, you know, stories or conversations with individuals that have females that have spoken about that, um, that have said like, yeah, I know, you know, they, they breached the topic, right? They're like, yeah, you know, I'm not making babies anymore. So What's, uh, what's going on now? What do I do? And that can maybe enter us in, you know, I'll segue that after that into, you know, who these actual women are. And I think, uh, for that one, it, it goes into, we're not making babies, but then we're raising babies. And how long does that process take today in today's world? And oftentimes, you know, if you're doing that and you're still, you know, judgment or no judgment on it, um, actively involved in your child's life until they're done with college, that takes up another big, I think that fills that void of stopping reproducing and then having another decade to mm -hmm. a decade and a half of then raising your child bearing or like caring for your child. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when the critical drop off happens is all of a sudden your children are gone. You can, no, you're no longer in a state of reproduction. And what do I do? Mm -hmm. What is my purpose? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I didn't expect to think about that one uh, or that particular area for today. Um, but let's examine it a little bit and just clarify what we're discussing there. Let's take a let's take a scenario and correct me if I'm wrong of what we're talking about here. Is we have a female who has children um, at 37, 39, and 41 years of age, which means that from 41 to 61. Um, 61 is the date when, you know, assuming, right. Assuming, uh, there's some leaving of the nest right now, most percentages would show, especially post COVID and 21st century, that's actually not occurring. So the chance that there's still a connection beyond the umbilical cord 
at 61 for this particular person is high, right? It's high. So let's extend it. So now you're 65, right? So this is, this is not, it's what I didn't uh, guess that we would discuss today, Melissa, on the, I, I was assuming with everything I said thus far of the generalized consensus of the 55 year old, there was no one at home. It was just them and their partner, right? Um, or them by themselves, which is a whole other area we could discuss. But um, uh, yeah, so I got to, man, that creates that creates some challenging okay. consequences. The trade-offs there, and my, the first thing I think about is what you mentioned. The trade-offs is you will have purpose and you will have it. The, the what, Why I'm calling it a trade-off though, is that it can't be too awesome to go through uh, menopause into that period, um, I'm making assumption here, uh, while, while still in the thick of things, regardless of what you're doing, but in the thick of things for work, parenting, family stuff, you know, college education. <laughs> so I can just imagine that on the one side you have purpose and meaning, but you do have this, uh, so any, any thoughts on that or did it make you think about anything with regards to bringing up that group that cha certainly challenges the current, but it is a modern, it's going to be a modern issue, I think. Um, yeah, I think it just connects right back to what we were talking about of, right. We can't spot address these issues um, because I think the biggest thing for that person is like stress management. And we have all these physical changes going on in the middle of you're still work potentially working a full-time job. And it's the most stressful period of your child's, you know, educational life, right? We're picking out colleges and touring schools and all these things are changing. So um, it's, it ultimately comes down to how can, right? Like that's where fitness can have such a very strong purpose for this individual is, you know, it's like helping them find identity and also managing their stress levels, making sure they know how to feed and nourish themselves and, and put themselves into a place so that, when that child does leave and then we come out the other side that we're in a really great, the best possible place we can be. Um, so I think that's where like fitness is very unique for that person because it can be just such a anchor and grounding to get them through that, that period, um, which can look different from their best friend who oh, yeah. had their kids, tw you know, a lot younger or, you know, yeah. 10 years before that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's uh, more difficult or less difficult to motivate these individuals into that area, specifically that avatar there of the 60 year old uh, with uh, three kids still as teens running around? Because remember, we talked about the motivation for males and what I used, and we had some humorous banter based upon that. But uh, how about motivation and inspiration for these females? I think it's harder. I would love to say it's easier, but those are the avatars that I find struggle the most or have mm. the most um, difficulty. Like those are the ones we get a lot of that are overweight and are struggling, right? They're, they're coming in the, the, the um, 55 year old that's got maybe 30 pounds to lose is overweight is because they're so high stressed. Yeah. So I'm right? going to, I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm agreeing with you at the same time. Meaning that I thought, I thought, in my perspective, that these were actually the easiest group, mm -hmm. but I would agree with you that they have the hardest road in front of them. So for, for inspiring or motivating, I think this group was almost, in my opinion, at a hundred percent for having the, the will to like want to get better. But I saw the environment in which they lived in was very difficult. You know, all the things we know, right? Lack of supporting mechanisms, you know, not, not having time to ask questions on, well, who's responsible for this? How did it get to this point, right? Uh, saying things like, oh, you know, who's who's your supporting medical system? Who's your, what are, what are your friends doing? You know, so there just wasn't these structures set up. I would agree with you then on that point that it made it very difficult. But I thought that they, in my opinion, anyways, that they were the easiest to kind of just, you know, I, I I don't know any other way to say it, but I, I didn't have to nudge as hard. Yeah. You know, they were, they were kind of like more intuitive, more intuitive around, Oh, I know what needs to happen. Just, you know, then they wouldn't say it like this, but like getting it done though, man, I got this shit and I got all this shit, you know? So it's a mixed bag. I, I, cause I can, I'm, I'm 
I'm envisioning quite a few different clients we've had and have and all that. And yeah. it's like, and this is good. I mean, this is good. We want to have, we want to stick our neck out and make generalizations, but we also want to have some debate on uh, what we think could be true for those particular groups, because the individual story is always what determines it in the end. But, you know, we're not going to create any conversation unless, uh, unless we make those generalized. Back down to, um, I think in today's world, support system and like how thinly stretched that individual is. Right, like if they're still working a full time job and doing primarily a lot of the homework as well, like it, it can be a challenge to get that person to prioritize themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing that when they do go to their care provider, they'll typically be given some type of therapeutic to address whatever problem they're having. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot like offered as a faster, quicker solution, or um, a yeah. lot of mongering of like take this or these things will happen based off where you are now. So yeah, that's what we're up against most often. Yeah. So let's segue that into um, the uh, point I wanted to make on uh, and bring me back if we don't do it, but, you know, kind of describing who these females are and then how they're influenced. Cause what you just hit on was two of those things. Um, so first and foremost, um, you want to assume that, if you wanted to pick one year uh, or one like small block of time of who we're discussing here, it's those born just before 1960. Um, and if you're born before 1960, you sure, you know, people, cause people get just get lost on that age and they immediately say, Oh, boomers. Well, yeah, you, you do say that you can read generations, Julia, Julie Twenge's book based upon that to kind of see what's going on with that. You could read the fourth turning. There's a bunch of other demographic generational books that you could read to kind of learn more about that. Estrogen matters is another great book that will kind of detail that sex lies in menopause, uh, in the flow. there's a bunch of, bunch of good ones. Um, these individuals, uh, were teenagers, you know, or young people during the 1960s in America, you know, 1960s in America was, unbelievable uh I, i'll just leave it at that there's so much shit that happened pre roe versus wade 1973 uh civil liberties changes um you know in in the 60s uh assassinations of significant political figures that we just take for granted walk around us every day you know uh, but these people that uh we uh poo poo but also like uh, idolize today they were shot and killed you know in daylight um uh just so just the thing you know the the nasa stuff man unbelievable so you gotta remember as a young formative you know forming brain and thinking about that these people were raised in this in this era you know um i like to joke my brother all the time like i think you know pearl jam is one of the best you know groups that were ever put on the planet <laughs> you know but there'd be a lot of disagreement to that but you gotta understand why i would say that why would i say that because when i was a teen I felt like they were actually speaking through the CD, like right to me, <laughs> you know? So it's not about the music. It's about my mind at that time of being alive, right? So if you're born before the 60s, you know, and you grow up in this period of time, and even the 70s, 1975, 1975, 1980 in America, it also means that you're 40, 45 years of age during the Clinton era, Right. When it wasn't as as polarized with regards to political shit. Right. The biggest thing that was going on at the time was not like, oh, Democrat, oh, Republican. It was like, did they really have that affair in the White House? You know, like this is these are the things that, of course, there's always rumblings in in the swamp. But so it's just very difficult for us to say, oh, no, no, no. What what we see today is exactly what it was like 60 years ago. It was not. And so the reason why I would say that is that these are the females that we're talking about. So when we're saying someone's coming into your facility and they're 60 years of age, sure, we could talk a big talk on postmenopause and biological things and stuff. But you have to remember that there's social stamps that have been that have been embedded inside these people. You and I have talked about this previously on CCP calls about a specific generation that were inspired on the 9-11 stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like and and you know you and I know for sure shit how it affected intense fitness right on uh, California and soldier workouts and et cetera it it all umbrellaed what we were doing day to day so you and I know it like and we can taste it right 
you have to you have to not make generalizations of these females, right? But you have to say, man, isn't that fascinating? So to, without going too far deeper into that, they also, um, oh yeah, because I forgot to mention, you know, these other little tiny things like birth control being like a massive opportunity um, and the beginning rise of Title IX, specifically for education. And then secondly, into sport participation, like they came into this, right? So all I'm saying is that uh, to to quickly get to those being presented in front of you, don't make the assumption, but you have to recognize that generally they are not you. <laughs> they don't think like you. And it's not, you're not at fault for assuming they have these social stamped kind of ideas around what fitness means to them, what the rest of their life is going to mean to them, what's important to them, um, and how they're going to continue to do what they want to do. You just got to know that that's kind of embedded inside of them. And I'll stop there, but I'm not sure if you think about anything based upon what I said there of who this group is or avatar. Yeah, I mean, that gives me goosebumps. I think we over look those monumental things these people experienced and grew up in i didn't even mention vietnam vietnam think about the, that the aids i mean like i i mean every single time i talked to my mom and she was like we had friends die that we didn't know were gay until they died like i can't imagine being in high school and just knowing that when my friends died yeah. and that's how you found right like these are things that they actually lived through yeah and I think we need to like always reground ourselves in other people's experience when they come into our door. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, like the 69, um, what was the bar in New York that caused that to cause the, you know, the huge turnaround in, I mean, it took fucking 40 years for people to recognize that gay is not a, you know, disease. Um, what was it? Uh, what was the bar? Jesus. I just did a podcast on this anyways, that happened in 69. So, I mean, it's just, Right. It's just mind blowing, you know, what we what we forget about um, uh, with regards to where these people land and how they show up. I, I would take a stab at a word and say that you're going to have those females show up with a it may not be apparent, obvious in their day to day actions, but they do have unbelievable tolerance. Tolerance for a lot of different views, tolerance for um, a number of. Uh, social changes and factors that are happening today. Um, and I wanted to curtail that towards, if we are talking about uh, the 60-year-old, 65-year-old, 70-year-old female, um, most times, and I don't want this to be like privileged talk, but I want us to be, to be like cognizant of like, well, who are we actually talking about? Number one, these people are interested in fitness. And number two, they're probably more wealthier or, you know, richer than a 20-year-old. Right. Because the, the the mistake that a lot of people make in this, you know, demographic <laughs> shitty talk is that they forget that when you just say, oh, females, no, we're talking about a specific group in, in 2023. Right. So that means they're 60 in 2023. Mo they're mostly going to have either an experience of job as a profession for a long period of time or having, let's call it money in the home for 30 to 40 years. Right. And so this yeah. is important to consider as well, right? Because we're not talking about, you know, um, the marginalized or minority population there that would have extreme wealth or would have nothing at all for access to, you know, either information or exercise. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Nailed it. Um, it's just important to discuss. You know, this is this is the exact group we're talking about. Um, and if we, if we don't if we don't have any more. Um, to say on exactly who these people are, um, unless you have some more to say on on who these people are, um, maybe we can move into uh, what they were sold and now what they are sold. I thought I wrote that down as being an important thing uh, to, you know, and I call it sold because, you know, for my daughters, when they grow up, they'll write books on saying, you know, how they were influenced Right. Um, I call it coercion. Uh, my daughters call it influence, but my mom used to call it sold. Now, why she used to call it sold? Because she had enough chutzpah or intuition to go, I see what you're trying to do right there. I see what you're trying to do when you try to push margarine on CBC commercials. 
<laughs> you know, CBC was the national right. television audience, you know, uh, and, and mom would be like, but those are seed oils. And then she'd, you know, she'd be raised on a cow, you know, and milking a cow and curds and whey and stuff. She's like, what? <laughs> you know, um, you're going to die if you don't have margarine. Um, so I'm not sure if you have any initial thoughts on maybe what they were sold and now what they're sold today to kind of give a perspective again on what we talked about on this generational difference, you know, over time. I mean, I think a main one that stands out to me is they were sold that red meat gives you heart disease. Um, yeah. I, I, that's just like, I mean, like. And fat is bad. They kind of. Fat, I mean, it. Yeah. Fat is bad. Red meat is like, if you want to have a heart attack or die of a heart attack, red meat is what's going to do it. Fat is bad. Um, you know, this is the no salt, no red meat generation. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. The biggest culprits to yeah. um, what will impact your heart health. Yeah, salt and fat. Salt and fat. Um, and then it moved into salt, sugar, fat, which is actually a good book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were also sold when they were younger. Uh, I called it thin marketing. Would you agree with that? Thinness? Yes. Right? That disgusting, ugly word, thinness. Um, they were also sold that uh, athletes are... Um, Athletes are masculine-esque versions of physical expression for females. I didn't want to, I didn't want to classify what you would have heard in like Catholic women's league conversation, because I think it's unfair to that group, but I do know what they would have said, but let me just say it wasn't modesty. Uh, that's how athletes were. So female athletes, that's how female athletes were perceived uh, back then. Now, just think of that's only like 40 years ago, right, in terms of the perception of it. And think about all the positive, very positive movements that the female athlete, you know, generation in the 80s and 90s built for opportunity, accessibility, physical expression, freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just prior to that, um, it wasn't seen as, you know, something that would be an option or something that they wanted all their daughters and all all females kind of getting into. So. Would you disagree with that notion or um, do you think that, because uh, this is what I observed from that particular group and how they perceived it, but they were sold that back in the day. I'm not sure if you see it differently. No, great. Okay. And, and just more recently, and not to classify all these groups, but uh, reading uh, Betty Friedan's book called The Feminine Mystique uh, made me recognize also what was trying to be sold. And we talked about this on the Bama Rush conversation we had Um of what I would like, what I call like what's sold inside the envelope that's that's kind of given to that particular group of this, you know, traditional version of femininity. Um, and uh, at this period of time, you know, in the 60s, those young females were sold that, sure, you, we, we have these opportunities for education, but as, as long as it leads you toward the, the feminine mystique, which is homemaking, right? And a and an irk towards this traditional concept, right? And they had all these arms pushing really hard against concepts that sure got into some trouble, but pushed the opposite, which would be like free love, um, you know, antinatalism. Now, again, these are extreme notions, but it, it goes against what everyone wanted of the opposite side, which was basically you get to grade 12. And if you're going to go to university as a female, well, that's all fine and dandy. But just remember that you're going to find a man at college and you're going to become, you know, a mom and picket fence and lots of washers and dryers. And <laughs> I don't know why I'm giggling at that because I, I I actually love those old pieces of technology. That's beside the point. But um, and I think it's because I grew up seeing the the yellow frickin stoves. Right. I don't know if you remember yellow stoves. Anyhow, uh, um, with, with the elements and stuff on top. So that's what they were sold at that time was this concept, right? Now, is that is that a generalized statement? Yes, it is. But it's important to consider, and maybe I'll, I'll let you take it from here, for what are they now sold today? So those those females were sold that when they were young, and now what are they sold? What are you, what are you sold at uh, 60 years of age inside of this, we're going to call the umbrella the health and fitness model? Ooh. What is th what is this group being sold right now? Yeah. 
So when some of those people come in and they're like, oh, this authoritarian figure said this, you know, it must be true. What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. I feel like this group is being sold to take Lipitor and like, you know, <laughs> this is the first thing that goes in my mind is like, yeah. feel- anti-aging stuff, like- um, you know, uh, therapeutic medicines. And I, I would call it like the, um, the, the personalized goop, whatever, yeah. whatever that is like injections, surgeries, invasive treatments, basically. But it's all, I think it's all, I think it's personally all centered on um, you're getting old. You don't want to get old. This is how you get young. That, that's just, that's everything inside it. Would you agree with that? Everything is anti-aging. It is, right, that the, the, what's naturally or biologically happening to you. Yeah. You can stop or solve. Or we can yeah, with, with, with tones, because they still remember that these were females who, when they were 15, they do remember that self-perception and being thin is like what, what you need. And so inside all the conversation, you'll notice, especially because remember how they get information, these individuals get information from CNN, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, whatever, or whatever the local rag is going to be. And I, I mean to use that word because that's what terminology would be for local newspaper, their local newspaper. It will not be on Twitter, right? It will not be uh, uh, an Instagram, you know, a flood of, you know, 65-year-old females just searching and searching for that piece of information with that particular group. They're sold that through that form of media. And it all has that tone of like, don't you want to feel younger? Don't you want to be, be thin like you always wanted, right? So this right. is the classic stories. Now, I, I personally am taking on that on the side of doing this deep personal investigation on uh, GLP-1s and uh, Wagovi and Ozempic and the, and the you know, which I don't want to drown down in this conversation, but I think there's a lot more darkness to that than people are kind of just letting on with. You want to nail um, that. I think it'll be the, I think it'll be the statin, um, the Oxycontin uh, conversation in 20 years time. I really do think that it's going to be as nasty as that for what we're getting into. So I didn't, I didn't mean to tangent that. Well, I do think it's worthwhile to hit because you just said, where do they get their information? And, yeah. The Daily for the New York Times podcast today was talking about those exact drugs today. And they gave the second female, the second female. What happened? Doctor is God, right? Doctor is God. Even that doctor, I sort of cut you off, but it pissed me off so much. Even that doctor probably had good intentions, right? But this lady came in after having success with what you and I would call basic lifestyle guidelines, right? And she had success. She didn't have extreme weight loss, but she was making progress. And number one, uh, with the most important thing, she said she had changed her attitude around eating, right? It wasn't a burden on her anymore. So whatever she did when she mentioned that to her doctor, her doctor should have said, get your ass out of here. I never want to see you again, right? But no, what did that doctor do? Well, there's this GLP-1 I'm not sure if you've heard about it for weight loss. So as as great as it was, the New York Times reported on the initial story, which I do give some credence to, because there is some cases in there where that's going to be helpful and effective, right? But, um, but, that, but the second one was the dirty one. That's the problem. Doctor is God, and you're going to go by whatever they say for that. I'm going to say they were both dirty because the first one right? We pick and choose the information we provide about the person we're talking about. That was a person that was already in, I think she was like over 55. Yeah. So a person that's already gone through menopause versus a person that has PCOS that is still right. Younger and has full hormone functions in two different places biologically. So to say that this, that first one was speaking to our audience, we're telling the person that's already in their mid fifties that I went on this drug and all of a sudden my arthritis went away. My knee felt better. And all these things that I experienced as I aged went away. They getting more thin secretly put all these things that we, that that person wants in anti-aging associated with that drug. Oh my God, I don't have to think about food anymore. Well, sometimes this generation doesn't want to cook anymore. So now I don't have to care about think about, I don't think about food, so I don't have to cook. I'll be thin. My aches and my pains will go away. They might as well said like, right, you're going to unage 10 years. And that's what yeah. happens to the woman. Yeah. So that's where you're consuming your information. That person now thinks I take this drug 
and I will lose weight. My aches and pains will go away and I will essentially anti-age. Which is easily gotten on a telehealth online, not even a doctor, AI generated next day delivery. This is the, <laughs> sorry to bring us to the, to the edge of the, of the abyss, but this is what we're dealing with today, right? Is that how many of those individuals listening in who are 55 to 60, 65 year old females who heard that show are going to do the reading, right? Are going to do the hard work that's necessary on the background information. Are they going to ever find out that in 2005, these GLP ones were known, were known to be uh, used for the rest of one's life? The re like that should be like a, a deal breaker right from the get go. Any form of medicine in which people are going to start taking at 40 and they can't discontinue until they're 90, you should really think hard about that. Now, if you want me to pile on with it of all the complications it's going to future cause, I think it's going to cause a lot of cognitive issues in the future that we're going to come back and be like, very interesting that it changed up all these serotonin, dopamine, you know, feedback loops. And we, it, cause it acts it on the gut, right? And people think, oh, the gut is just isolated. It's just the gut. No, the gut is the brain right? Brain and gut are connected together. If you're going to change those up, you're going to have some major complications you're going to deal with. So that'd be the second one that I'd kind of make people think about. But I just don't think a lot of those individuals are going to be asking those questions. And it's sad. So what's to do? What are they going to do? I wrote down a couple of things. I'm not sure if you can add to it. Uh, grandchildren, uh, I know, keep a lot of individuals, which is, again, it's another conversation based upon uh, what we had discussed, I think, three episodes ago with this uh, this very tough trade-off between conversations or, or ideas, not, not, not ideas, just facts. So here's the facts. We're having less children. Okay, that's a fact. We're having less children. Um, at the same time, we know that we have this, meaning there's a lot of purpose for someone from 60 to 85 years of age of grandchildren. Now, I, I don't need to go on with a full book on the importance of that, but I can tell you as I'm starting to like even, you know, taste it a tiny bit with my daughters, I know that it, there's going to be a huge connection in terms of me having this new form of purpose that I found even post, you know, leg injury, post uh, OPT, CrossFit stuff, post OPEC CCP stuff, where you're just like, wow, there's so much purpose and meaning in these things that I can clasp onto, that's a big one. So are you seeing that same thing that's going to possibly come about where these, as one of these options, what to do, you know, if they don't have grandchildren? Yeah. So if they don't have grandchildren, because that's where I'm getting a lot of them, right? Like their kids just like aren't ready to have kids yet. Okay. And I, that's just more and more what I'm seeing, you know, is we're waiting later in life to have children. Um, and so I think for these people, they have to find communities and well, first I'd say like a lot of them are getting dogs and we can call that silly or not, but it is something to care for. It is something that gives them a routine because now they're getting up, they're going on a morning walk with their dog. They're doing an evening walk. So I won't discredit that because it can give companionship and it can create really good routines for people. Um, right. Like you have to wake up and walk it. Yep. And if you're already a very routine person, it's very good for them. Um, so I'd say like, this is where pets have come into play um, on that end. I think gyms are a great place for this, for this group. Um, they are completely very responsible. They like to show up. They like to learn. So I think they're very good at um, working in an ID model. They do great. They're great beacons within it. I love having them because uh, they are like the talking point for everyone that comes in. Everyone knows who they are. They, you know, um, and they have a lot to offer. So I think these are the clients that we typically end up not doing regular consults with, but like weekly coffee dates with, because they have so much to teach us. Um, you know, so it's like, you almost need a buddy system. <laughs> they almost need a younger person in the gym that they can slightly mentor or just talk to because there's so much value they have to offer. Um, and they just need a place to, to, to go and be able to deliver that. So I think gyms are great. Animals are great. Um, giving back to their communities in some type of form. I think can be a great option for this dem uh, for this demographic as well. Yeah, because I asked uh, if reproduction is no more, what do you do? 
um, and you outlined all of them. I had different words for them. So uh, family was one. Um, and that's what I meant by grandchildren. So people are still connected with regards to that. Now, I do want to say too, and I've, I've consulted with a lot of females in this regards who didn't have children, um, who did find significant purpose in doing their homework to figure out how they could be a parental role model, either in their community as a, you know, uncle, aunt situation big brother, big sister, or institutions that were locally, where they still, and I call it indirectly, uh, and I, I feel, you know, only positivity towards this. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not in the camp of like, you know, my children, my children, you're in it in the language that gets dirty around that. Cause these people have so much to offer with regards to that. So that's one thing you can think about family. And I call it, that's why I call it small F family. It's not big F family. It's small F family, but that could give you ma major purpose. Number two uh, was, I called it quote unquote, new hobbies. Right. So uh, and there's lots of more recent research that showed that, too, that uh, the happiness factor. Martin Seligman has done a lot of research on this. Um, the happiness factor and how that's designed today and researched and kind of measured, of course, is uh, is a little tricky. You got to read through a whole bunch of it to get the answer to it. But that is heightened uh, once uh, children leave the nest. So at that point in time, I'm, I'm saying this female, 60 years of age. If that is the case, and that's why I kind of got, you know, cracked in my brain for like, well, what happens if there's still three kids around at 60? It's like, uh, well, I don't know, you know, <laughs> but at 60, you know, you should expect a, a form of happiness factor to occur uh, based upon these new hobbies. That was one of the main reasons they saw that that individuals get this sense of being able to learn again. So we'll call it learn, you know, uh, learning about life for the first time in like 30 years, right? And so if people get the opportunity to do that, which is the reason why I smirked when Chloe said, dad, that's what you're going to be doing. Just looking out into the clouds, you know, standing by a cactus kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but what you're doing is learning there, right? Learning about new things, right? So that could be exciting. Uh, number three, what you called um, animal and, and other things, relationships with others. Yeah. So that could be something that could create massive purpose. And I know that ties into what we discussed of buddies, number five. Uh, and institutions, number four, institutions, what I would have called gymnasiums, right? Like gyms or what, what we have, right? OPEX gyms would be those institutions. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that's what you and I offer in this show. And what we're trying to do is to make people re realize that an OPEX gym can be that institution, that one institution that people can go to, to learn a whole lot around how you um, uh, physically express yourself but you do it around other people and you can create relationships, you know, and yes, the big, you know, woo woo category here, you can find purpose in that, right? There can be significant purpose in that. And that's all wrapped up in those three things, relationships with others. So the 60 year old having a relationship with Melissa, example, doing it with her buddies, right? So she has a friend who's 64, yeah. who was just pushed uh, by Wagovi, right? And she's like, eh, you should go talk to Melissa. And then Melissa gets a hold of her. She's like, hey, have you ever tried fitness? She's like, no, I never, I uh, always hated it, right? Had all these weight issues up and down. She's like, and Melissa goes, well, we can make it fun. She's like, really? Fitness can be fun. <laughs> and, and then she's in, right? So you can do it with buddies and friends. And then it has to happen in that gym, right? Or what we would call those institutions. So family, new hobbies, relationships with others, institutions, and buddies. And that should give us like a little bit of a framework of hope for uh, those females of not knowing what to do. And if you want that colored, just, you know, contact Melissa. Um, we'd be more than happy to kind of give you some information on what that looks like. Uh, while still, should we say, supportive of whatever they're doing right now. But we're certainly going to point the path towards um, a highlighting moment for this age group. And I say again, if you're uh, if you are in the fitness industry or you are a coach or you're an owner and, and that these are the people you want in your side inside your gym, because like we just talked about um, from a financial standpoint, they typically do have money. So they're um, from a retention standpoint, they're pretty consistent. They're our longest lasting clients, the ones we do have, um, you know, again, to the new hobby and family small up, it's like. We have younger people in the gym that maybe relocated to your area and don't have family nearby. They make great babysitters um, because you know them, you trust them, they're already, you know, 
and they are more than willing usually to to watch your child for dinner if you want to go out and have a date night. So I think they definitely like bring so much color into your community um, that, you know, I, I always go back to this book I read that said that this is a, the most invisible and overlooked demographic, right? We just avoid aging. We don't want to look at it. Um, and we don't really offer them a lot of places to go. And, um, and I think that's really unfortunate because- yeah. Estrogen yeah. Matters and Sex, Lies, and Menopause, uh, if it's not the book, they do highlight both of those things. Yeah, I mean, um, I reread it this whole weekend. And every time I reread, the, reread that book, there are so many new gems that pop out and just, you know, it's-, it's Yeah, so- yeah. Um, no, I, I would, uh, I would, I mean- of course, I'm going to agree with you, but I would second that notion just to say it out loud again that I think that uh, I think it's a I think it's a bigger issue. So the the lack of conversation around what to do as a female from 60 to 90 years of age in regards to purpose and meaning, I think the lack of that conversation is a big issue. Um, and and I'm not saying it because I think that there needs to be massive attention for that group. I just find it really conspicuous that uh the 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 offerings that we have as a solution to that is basically just their 15 year old thinness medication or therapeutics i just find that really gross um and i guess it could be said for both groups right males and females for the aging you know what they're going to be offered but for females specifically um yeah i don't know i think the biggest thing there is we have deep conversations and I know CCP and this is what I love about it talks about generations. And we talk about again, who are these people and you get a young coach or you get a young doctor or a dietitian or a nutritionist and their biases are their own and they don't take into account this person Mm -hmm. again in that whole conversation we just had. And so, yeah, they're going to sell them the same solution that they sell the 20 year old. Yeah, it kind of begs you to ask the question, what would be the uh, the uh, the highest chance of which generation, you know, if we were to, you know, classify a uh, Gen Y, Millennial, um, X, Boomer uh, generations, um, that would kind of bubble up towards autonomy over time. Um, and I would say this generation is going to have the hardest time doing that. Um, The hardest time doing it. And I would only say it's because of the repetition of so many years of not really having direction on someone saying you can be free, right? You can like do these things, right? And be set on this path to do that stuff. Uh, Instead, it was just as, as a bombardment of this is how you should be perceived. This is how you should think of yourself right? Uh, oh, fitness. Oh yeah. That's kind of cool because it can make you thin. So you'll have good perception. Like it, you know, that that's always what it's been in the, and of course we just bombard it with like, you know, fat's going to kill you. Fat's going to make you fat, you know, whatever is in the entire story. Um, and then we figure out why. So I'm not sure if you have any thought, had any thoughts on that on it. You probably have in the trenches experience of that, of people that are like, oh yeah, I could get on board with that autonomy thing over time. But then other groups like, oh, geez, you know, I don't even know if it's in them where they may just, you may just need to be like a different written story as to what that looks like. You know, they may, that 65 year old may show up still, but they're just showing up with cookies or something <laughs> like it, telling you about what their workout they did, or I don't know, you know, and they're still paying for the membership, whatever that looks like. But you see what I'm saying? Like there's still, I just don't think it could be that. Uh, I, think, may- uh, I think it's magical to empower them into their own potential, right? Like, I think this is a great group because, you know, especially in, in ID and giving them their own program is they, they get to build confidence in themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think once you give someone that, like it sticks, you know, like once you learn to trust your own movement and you feel yourself progressing or, you know, getting more stable or things like that, it's it's a hard momentum to kind of stop. So just I I agree they are like seeking a lot of direction and lacking a lot of autonomy or trust in themselves and they they want your validation often but um 
I think it's also, again, like once they start building routine, especially inside the gym and in the fitness, it's like they surprise themselves. And yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. They're, my most, they're my favorite clients. In that I think it goes back to what we said earlier of our disagreement that uh, they have the will to do it, but there's a lot of impeding things, in, including like their history and like what they've been time stamped memory, you know, perception that's locked in. You know, even as I said what I said, I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, I stopped uh, a trainer at Mountainside Fitness of a local gym. Um, I play hockey on Wednesdays over at the ice den and then go to the Mountainside Fitness gym that's right next to it. Um, and so it allows me this unbelievable opportunity in the fishbowl, right? Uh, what What's going on? Um, and I see personal trainers and coaches and classes and, you know, just generations just working out right so i get to see it all and i love it and uh i got to compliment this trainer that was there and i was in doing some air squats and ski erg um and of course being so sustainable I'm, i have such high cognitive function at this point i'm so sustainable i'm listening as to what's going on while i'm doing this right listen if you don't even understand that you know that's why i won the 2007 crossfit games i mean it's just a it's just a certain talent anyways i can hear i can hear what's going on in the conversation and She's like, uh, she's telling this lady who's 70 for sure that she's saying the kind of things that I'm trying to teach you here, right? In the movements, she was talking about the movements and the muscles is, and she said the word, she said, so that you can do it yourself. And I was like, I was like taken aback, right? Cause I, I think I'm in, in this, you know, area that it, these words and those things are not pushing outside of this conversation here or our ideas that we have of what it seems to be a better functioning system for it. Um, and I had to pull her aside after this is after me just saying that I think that group's going to have a lot hard time with autonomy um, and complimenting her being like, listen, you know, I just want to say I've been like hammering on this thing, you know, in probably the wrong angle for so many years, but it's just good to see that you're like, you know, telling people that they can be on their own and uh, they'll be able to do this by themselves. So that's just a personal story to say that, you know what, it is to agree with you that it is it is possible that the this generation of females could take on take on that burden of responsibility of figuring out stuff for themselves um and they probably have it in them to do it right you just got to give them a chance you got to set them up for for success right yeah you got to point them in a good direction did you just end us on an inspiring story change what's that did you just end us on an inspiring break? <laughs> uh, well, let me check my notes here to see if I can pull up something that's a little bit more negative <laughs> to finish on. Uh, no, I what I will finish on is uh, is to keep going along that line. That uh, that's what I took from today's conversation today, which I appreciate. Was uh, the purpose and meaning in fitness conversation because it does it does center back to what we're trying to do with having conversations on fitness in relations and fitness in relationships and fitness in the differences and et cetera. Um, and so I still, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, reminiscing based upon all those things that are important to this particular group. And of course, you know, uh, still have to say it. I still think, and this is not negative of it as you think it's coming, but I think it's really important that we do ask, even if you ask this and contemplate it by yourself, and you don't do anything about it, start contemplating on that notion that if you're listening in, you at one time as well will be, if you if you are a female, you will be in that category, right? And so you do want to start doing things now, as well as look around and say, how is this whole, how is this whole thing set up? I'm I'm talking this whole thing, right? Like, estrogen drops at 55, you're not reproducing anymore, you know, uh, that's not the end of the world. Uh, but then if it's not the end of the world, what is the rest of the world? Like, what is that? I think there needs to be more conversation on that and how to, and how to not just piecemeal and like, uh, duct tape that. I think we need to change our attitudes based on that. Um, I think we need to start talking about words like, uh, cognitive potential, and, um, you know, emotional potential and, uh, you know, resilience and resisting entry. I need, we, we need to start talking about that more so for this group. Yeah. Yeah. Get me as a coach. Cause I make you have that uncomfortable conversation every consult. 
I know I myself every day. So it's like, you know, I think the more we can, I think that's it. The more we can just have that dialogue with people at a younger age and just start, you know, painting it out a little further, um, the better. Yep. Um, and we, we never do this, but do you leave, uh, any, uh, uh, personal information that you don't want to get bombarded with any AI shit, but if people can contact you, is there, is there a safe zone for you in the public and where people can just kind of reach out? And uh, um, yeah, I still think Instagram is the best one. I don't provide as much content on there as I used to. Um, I think it just got inundated with just putting out information to the masses just no longer inspires me, but I do love when coaches reach out. Um, okay. So how, how can they reach you? This is not just for coaches. I'm just talking to humans. Oh, yeah. Just uh, honestly, DM me an Instagram. Honestly, okay. I'll put my handle in there, but I still okay. think that's, you're more likely to get a response from me there yeah. than an email. Yeah. That's no, that's fair. Good. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but which you, you and I have to grow our relationship and get to text level because I hate email. I mean, I... I you I, hate I, all channels. I do. I do. And so I'm making a big uh, jump here by even asking uh, for your phone number publicly on our podcast, which I'm not, I don't want you to tell me, but uh, when, I, when we finish this call, I want our relationship to grow to that level because uh, I really want to get rid of my email entirely. Get rid of it. Yeah. I'm almost there. I'm at zeros and like nothingness and so many different things. I just want to like pull the whole thing away. My, uh, yeah. And last note on that, my, uh, my daughters really think it's actually, it's not, it's not humorous, but they are like, they think it's just, it's, it's, uh, I'm under despair when I tell them, like, I I think I'm going to a flip phone, you know, so that Leanne and you and Hannah are the only ones that can contact me. They're like, dad, (laughs) you can't, (laughs) I just, just pause and think about that. Right. It's like, because they can't think that because it's like, it's like, you know, our parents telling us, you know what, that iPhone thing, I'm going back to the cord with the, <laughs> dial, the dial thing. And we're like, you can't. <laughs> Who are you to say I can't? Anyways, thanks for listening in. And thank you for today, Melissa, yeah. and for this topic. And uh, look forward to many more good ones down the road. Yeah. Thank you, guys.